Alfredo. I am so glad to have you on this hey, show. I, in, I have people on this show that I've known for a long time or are in spaces I know really well. And I'm happy to say that you are neither, that we've met fairly recently and you're in... <laughs> I'm one of the lucky ones, very much. You're one of the lucky ones. <laughs> and, and, and you're in a, a series of spaces, pun intended, that I, other than having a father who was an architect when he was alive, I have been an observer and not a participant. Um, can you share a little bit what you are doing now in your two main fields of adventures? Perfect. So we have been working for 10 years in the field of architecture across the world. We will talk more about it. We have projects in five different continents. And for five years, I have been working also in the field of space architecture. And that area is connecting recently with other aspects of technology like a blockchain and virtual reality. We are currently developing a simulation of how a future society will be on Mars. We are calling it the Futureverse. But the uh, while the Metaverse is creating a digital reality of something that does not exist, we are proposing the Futureverse as an opportunity to create in the digital field something that is going to be built in the future, where society not only will be able to interact among themselves, but also provide relevant feedback for that digital twin to continue iterating and getting better so when it's time to get built and to actually execute it, we have all the know-how and feedback from the community. So we'll talk more about that. So two fields, architecture, technology, space architecture, and futures. Wow. She's all somehow connected. And you threw in digital later. twin and all the... Okay, so who are the we's <laughs> of this? Because this is not just you and a mouse in your pocket. So your architecture company... Yeah. What are they? Who are they? Where are they? How do you have so many things happening in so many cities? So uh, I'm the founder of uh, Avivo Studio, which is the architectural practice. Uh, we have the headquarters in New York. We have offices in Miami, where I'm now. And also we have offices in Madrid, when I'm where I am originally from, and in India. And then Onteco is the company that we have uh, based here in the U.S., that is focusing in the futures and in that simulation that we were talking about. And so that- With Onteco, you... yes, yes, to be sure that mm -hmm. I fully answer your question. We have been working for uh, more than two years with the uh, global scientists from different fields, uh, experts in the fields of life support system, geology, planet, planetary geology, uh, astronautics, in order to ensure that all the ideas that we have in that simulation are actually backed up by science. And I'm sure we will be talking a lot about it because I'm very passionate. I think it will be of great relevance to the audience. Okay, so these are these are two really different endeavors that are not different, that they're very much of an overlap because at least in my perception of your architecture, it's very forward thinking and, and very um, futures relevant. It, can you talk a bit about now, Abidu? Is that the right pronunciation? Abibo. Yeah, Abibo means the beginning of creativity. So um, AB is the first two letters of the Latin alphabet. And as a Westerner, obviously, my culture uh, comes from, from that background. But I lived in Japan for a long time, and we will probably talk also later about that. And Ibo means creativity in Japanese. 
And uh, when I started uh, my architectural practice after working with some uh, very top uh, architects across the world, I decided to uh, come up with a name that represented that uh, vision for innovation. And the beginning of creativity is an acronym that is representing the name Avivo Studio, which means again, the beginning of creativity. Wow. And then the, the group of scientists you're working in, they're they are all over the world. And so you're with a large yes, group of scientists that are all over the world. They're mainly the American and Europeans, but we have a team also in Australia, and uh, we have again many different type of fields. Uh, not only artists, not only scientists, but also artists that are uh, working with our team, our architectural team, and our team focus only on the futureverse in order to create that simulation of a future society in a very harsh environment, which is fantastic because uh, Mars offers the opportunity to think everything from scratch. And by going to Mars, we are facing that we have to be extremely efficient with resources. We have to create a self-sufficiency, which is very connected to architecture. And at the same time, we need to ensure that we collaborate because uh, uh, an extreme environment like Mars is requiring that we work together. Otherwise, we won't survive. And we think that all of that is bringing huge amount of opportunity, not only to envision a near future on Mars, but also to have insights which will be very relevant for making Earth a better place, connected to climate change, social inequality, and many other aspects that, again, thanks to the learning that we are getting by uh, creating that digital twin, we are already applying on Earth with science and changes in the habits and architecture and materials and some of the technologies that we have been developing for over two years. So you've mentioned digital twin twice. What do you think is a digital twin for those who have not played in that space before? Okay. So a digital twin is a concept that is almost like a real-time replica of something that exists in reality, but that exists only in the digital environment. The advantage of creating a digital twin is that we can test things digitally first and see what works and what does not work. So once we are actually ready to build it, we can be sure that it works well. Uh, This is common in engineering. So uh, once we want, for example, to simulate how a rocket is going to perform in space, we create a digital twin, a replica of that rocket, put it under the conditions that are going to be in the space and then see if everything works well or not before doing an actual prototype and then testing the prototype. In architecture, it's very typical as well. I mean, we have been creating digital twins since the 60s, but we didn't call it like that. The the term was invented by NASA indeed, but the concept of creating a replica of something that is going to be existing uh, in the near future uh, is something that has been in, in our society for quite a while. And I would say maybe one of the elements of it, which I find fascinating looking at it more from a human system side, is it's not just the, as sometimes phrased, built environment. It's not just the hard walls replicated in a digital virtual space. It's also the human interaction and people and, and behaviors that are around it are in a lot of the, the newer digital twin models aren't just cool building, where do we put the walls and where do the cars go? But it's really looking then at anticipated human behavior. 
Totally agree with you. And that's indeed how Onteco Mars and the Futures started. So um, originally, uh, when we were envisioning creating a, a ways to provide self-sufficient uh, solutions on Mars uh, with the scientists, our vision was to come up with uh, ideas that were actually relevant for a future settlement on Mars. But then once we got a lot of attention from the media, we released the first batch of designs around a year and a half ago. It has been all over the place. Uh, the first batch of designs were called NUA. So it has been in BBC, CNN, Business Insider, uh, National Geographic, almost all the major uh, media uh, talked about our solutions. So then we were working closely with Mars Society, which is one of the biggest organizations related to research and investigation about Mars to do a, a space analog. The concept of a space analog is similar to uh, the idea of a digital twin, but in real life. So space analog uh, simulates uh, conditions that are very extreme, like what will uh, astronauts will face on Mars or in low gravity environments. And that happens in a safe environment. So once uh, the astronauts or the people that are going to be in such environment are there, if something goes wrong, you are not risking their lives. There are a lot of space analogs in, in, on Earth. Uh, the biggest one is MDRS, which is indeed owned by Mars Society in the deserts of Utah, but there are some in Canada, there are some in Israel, there are some space analogs below the ocean to simulate what will happen in low gravity environments. But uh, when we were actually working with Mars Society, we were thinking, well, the challenges that we have, if we want to do some of those ideas that we propose for a large uh, settlement on Mars, is that we will not be able to replicate the social relationships. We can replicate the physical model. We can create like a small building in the deserts of, of Utah and see how uh, people will interact with that physical architectural environment that we envision for Mars. But the complexity of the social aspects were not going to be able to be analyzed because you cannot build a city on Mars on Earth. First, because the, the cost will be too high. Second, because you don't simulate the challenges of a harsh environment and how that uh, uh, difficulties will affect the social interactions. And that's when technology came into place. Before that happened, we were uh, quite involved with the architectural practice with virtual reality. It's not uncommon for, for architects to use a highly immersive tools to provide uh, an experience of how architecture is going to be. We were also quite involved with digital art. We did a collaboration with Louis Vuitton. They asked us to reinvent uh, how a, a trunk would be in the near future. So we proposed the, the next frontiers of travel as the space travel and the digital travel, right? So we had some experience with digital art and digital field and blockchain and NFTs. So we thought that the opportunities of merging those type of uh, state-of-the-art technologies with space architecture uh, could be a, an opportunity to create a space analog that simulates uh, complexities of living on Mars thanks to technology on a large scale. And that's where community comes into play. That's what you were indicating. The, the, the digital twin can allow not only to understand and be in a highly immersive environment, uh, how we are going to be living in the future in a large colonization or in a large settlement. It can be on Mars, it can be anywhere. It can be even in the future here on Earth, but also how that community is going to uh, be uh, interacting among themselves. 
And that's where the technology that the metaverse is bringing it can be very applied to actually make a future a better place and earth a better place thanks to those learnings that we are going to learn by uh, interacting and learning from the digital twin. So you kind of took us a little down the road of how how an architect ended up in the space side of life. But what was the bridge? Did they knock on your door? Did you knock on their door? Were you hanging out in outer space endeavors for years and, and, and a science fiction net? How, how did you kind of come together as this sort of intersection of, of sort of built spaces and new environments? So it comes from lack, uh, as they say in India, destiny, and it comes from a lot of uh, passion from my side since I'm a child on design and space. So uh, when I was in, uh, in high school and uh, I was debating between studying astrophysics or studying architecture, since I was a kid, I wanted to go in the field of architecture. But then uh, when I started studying math and, and uh, physics, I was very passionate about space. So I was having a debate. I decided to continue the path of architecture, but I was always very interested and, and educating myself a lot about the field related to space uh, travel, space exploration, physics, etc. So in 2019, I was uh, very lucky that there is an organization called Friends of Europe that is connected to the European Union. And every year they choose 40 people below 40 years old that they consider are relevant in their fields. So it's a, a highly diverse group uh, from people in politics, uh, arts, uh, science, and um, I was the, the, the lucky guy that I'm the only architect in the group. But the opportunity also in that group is that the, uh, once you are part of the group, we meet three times a year in Europe, and then we meet with all the uh, other alumni from that group, even if they're older than 40. So it allows for a, a, a powerful debates of ideas about how we can uh, create a, a solutions for Europe to become a better place and for the world to become a better place. So in 2019, I was in London with Guillem Anglada. He is the, the scientist that headed the discovery of Proxima B, which is the closest exoplanet from Earth. And then we were, he's indeed Spanish as well. So we were talking and he was telling me his biggest passion when he was a kid was architecture. And then I was telling him that my biggest passion was astrophysics. So we were debating and we were talking, why don't we come up with a group of scientists to find self-sufficient settlements of world. And that is something that connected very well with the work that we were doing in, uh, in my architectural practice, because we have been focusing since I started Avivo Studio in 2010 in self-sufficient large-scale settlements, especially in emerging countries. We have designed three entire cities in India, a lot of uh, proposals that require self-sufficiency. So obviously, the interest of sustainability and self-sufficiency was now coming together in my personal interest about space. And there was a fantastic match because Guillaume was telling me he was hugely uh, passionate about architecture and vice versa. So we started putting together the team and uh, we started again to visualize how we could find those solutions for self-sufficiency of world. 
We came with the moon as the first step, but the advantage and disadvantage of the moon is that it's very close from Earth. So you don't need to rely on self-sufficiency because you can have things back and forth from Earth to the moon very easily. The challenge that we have with Mars is that due to the distance, we only have a window of opportunity of one month every two years to send things back and forth, which means that in order to create a permanent settlement on Mars, you need to do it with local resources. You cannot rely on materials from Earth. And that completely changes the, the question, right? The moment you start to think that you need to create a, a permanent settlement for people not only to survive, but to thrive in, in a place where there is nothing, but there are actual resources like minerals and water that are critical to create a, a long-term settlement. That's when a lot of interesting ideas started to come into place. And again, we released the, the, the batch of designs and then we were envisioning how we can communicate all of that in an immersive manner and how we can bring some of the other technologies that we were bringing in the architectural team, again, like virtual reality and the experience with digital art and blockchain and NFTs and some of the things that are now very connected to the metaverse, which is mainly coming from a gaming background. Our background was more about finding a, a solutions for solving problems of connected to climate change and social inequality and using Mars as an excuse to do so. And while doing that, we think that we have found very appealing ways to actually live on Mars. And Elon Musk and, and some of the other companies that are actually exploring very hard into the transportation side of the ex space exploration are going to take us to Mars. But we think so far we have been the, the, the teams that have been focusing more into how are we actually going to live there. Once we get there, thanks to hopefully SpaceX in the next couple of years, the technology will be ready to start considering going to Mars. But then how is the environment that is going to be there? Nobody so far has been focusing with the level of intensity and multidisciplinary approach that we have. And we think that that's quite exciting. And again, the, the simulation on the digital twin is the first step to actually test things out and experience how it will be so we can iterate and make improvements and check it out. So when you create a new city somewhere, you're making assumptions on sort of sociopolitics, who is there, how they interrelate, and what human services are there and who makes money off the human services, what the kind of ecology economy is, but also what the ecology economy is with that place and the rest of the world. So are you mm -hmm. assuming then in the design for Mars that the, the external ecology is really one of mining and extraction is one of, um, uh, scientific research, I hesitate to say this military outpost, you know, is it assuming that the external relations are an economics of maybe tourism or, or what's the assumptions on which you're building? And then what is, I mean, I tend to, I'm a long time sci-fi nut. And I always sit around with my husband going, okay, now the economics of how does this person get paid? And then where does the food come from? And who pays for the food? And who's doing the, you know, who's cooking? Who's So what are the assumptions you're making? Is it more of a, a socialistic model, free market model? And then what's the economics of this 
what, 30,000 person outpost? Mm -hmm. uh, fantastic questions. The truth is that in architecture, we are used to listen to the society and to understand what they need in that particular location. So when we go to uh, create a, a city in Philippines or we go and create a city on, in, in India, we talk to the politicians, we talk to the communities, we understand what, what are uh, intrinsic to that culture, and then we try to create space around it. The challenge on Mars is that we don't have Martians yet. So how are you figuring out future Martians, what they're going to need, want, et cetera? So uh, that's an interesting point because the, the future Martians first will need to adapt to the environment. One thing that we know is that here on Earth, it's very easy for us to change uh, the environment around us to accommodate it to our lifestyle. And uh, that will not be possible on Mars. So uh, the level of uh, extreme environments that we have over there is going to force us to adapt much more to what is around it. So science there plays even a, a more critical role than we have here. And that's why working with so many different types of scientists to understand what are the conditions. But at the same time, that connects to your question about politics and economy. How is it going to be over there? The truth is that we don't know. And that's where the digital twin comes uh, very handy because we can do A-B testing. We can create communities that are working under certain political and economical models. Uh, for example, let's say libertarian in the way that we envision here in, in the US. Another economy and political scenario can be more socialistic, more like north of Europe. And then we can see what works and what does not work because we have the same physical conditions. So the communities, even the same type of communities will be able to live in city states in the digital twins and learn what can go uh, good, what can go wrong, and detach from the emotions that we have here on Earth with a lot of the ideas about politics and economy, and just consider it almost like a research opportunity, right? And that's something that the community itself will be able to determine uh, what is working, what is not working. And again, the beautiful part of science is that it's just data. We analyze the data. We see in that digital environment what is the city-state that is doing good in certain ways and what the city-state is doing good in certain other ways, together we might be able to find answers that we might not have been able to realize here on Earth because the conditions are not the same, the culture is not the same, it's completely different, the culture in the US than the culture in Sweden. Uh, so it's not possible to compare apples with apples, but in the digital twin, the same amount of crowd are going to be having the opportunity to experience both scenarios. And again, that's where we think that the cities and the culture will grow organically. And that will connect to how we were talking before, that uh, architects listen to their communities and create a space around that culture. But because we don't have a culture on Mars yet, we are creating the canvas, an initial canvas, for a community to start understanding those challenges and those difficulties that we will have because of being in a harsh environment like Mars, where we will need to be extremely efficient with resources, where the, the economy is going to mainly be connected to energy uh, because you cannot waste energy, you cannot waste the space because you don't have that luxury that we have here on Earth, as I was saying before, of actually changing uh, our surroundings to adapt it to our lifestyle, right? So that is where 
it will be a, a back and forth. And that connects a lot to the creative process, right? We cannot just go linearly. We have to go in one direction and then it will come in the other direction. And then it will become almost like a blur of uh, opportunities and, and situations that we will have to develop over time. And uh, thanks to technology, again, the advantage is that we can create it in a highly immersive environment that will be able to simulate fairly well what we need to create on Mars. So here's where I kind of get bollocks up. So I am, and not bollocks up, but I'm sort of thinking through the scenarios. And I'm an old player for SimCity, right? So you go into SimCity and then you decide where the roads go. And then the the non-player character elements would say, ah, she put a road there. We're now going to go do this. And it's like, I didn't anticipate this. Now I've got to build. So there's an iterative build concept. But I'm assuming that there's sort of a non-player character reactive element that is then doing something based on my actions. Um, if I have a digital twin, though, am I assuming that I'm going to be having some kind of a machine learning driven reactive model? Am I going to be assuming people are living in this space and then behaving as individuals like you might for people who spent way too much time in Second Life, which is still around, where they were then creating economies in it to sell each other's stuff. I mean, to me, it's, it's how do you kind of separate the, the gameplay aspect with what someone actually would do as a real life series of decisions, including, you know, do they have kids? Are they in school? What do they do with their free time? How would you actually practice that in a digital twin? And then separately, well, I have a second question that's related to it because to me, it's more, the opportunity is I don't have a physical limitation. I might have a participant limitation, number of participants. But to me, this is the opportunity not for A-B testing, but for a Monte Carlo simulation to be able to run 200 simulations to see what what percolations come from it, what uh, abnormal, interesting, creative outputs come from it that could then be put into an, a new design. Mm -hmm. And you, you mentioned a lot of powerful ideas. Uh, let me start with some of the answers to, to them. So one of the ideas that we are envisioning, as I mentioned, is that we will create an initial canvas, but the content will have to be grown by the community, right? And that's uh, where uh, it starts to be an open opportunity for the community to create solutions that they might see fit best of the, the challenges that the, the, the simulation is going to uh, propose, because again, the, the simulation is going to put uh, into context the lack of resources, the distance from Earth, the need to create entire supply chains because the materials have to be uh, created locally on Mars, um, which connects to another of your questions, the economy. The, the, we are uh, envisioning the local currency. We are calling it the power unit, which is, again, connected to energy. It's uh, linearly directed to the energy efficiency, and uh, it is divided by the carbon footprint. So uh, the economy or the power unit, the currency, uh, you have the need of being very efficient with energy, but at the same time, if you pollute and you create a carbon footprint, that currency is going to be devaluated. So, for example, here on Earth, we have gas, uh, it's very efficient, or oil is very efficient, but it leaves a lot of carbon footprint, right? So we are working with concepts that by taking them into Mars, suddenly you start to relate to things that happen on Earth. Let's give you an example. 
uh, on Mars, you need to buy a bottle of water or you need, yeah, let's say that uh, you need to buy a bottle of water and then you pay two power units. Um, but suddenly you're hungry and you decide that you want to buy a fancy uh, beef burger. Well, the truth is that a, a diet on Mars is going to be very different because we realize not only on Mars, but here on Earth by working with the life support systems team that uh, eating meat is not very efficient. The amount of energy that the animals require and the amount of space that uh, animals require is substantially uh, higher than what uh, the uh, amount of energy that humans get by eating other uh, substances like vegetables, etc. right? So suddenly, when you go on uh, to eat a, a beef burger, you will have to pay 2,000 power units, just giving you samples. Uh, suddenly, you start to realize, like, okay, why is this so expensive? And then you start to understand in the digital environment that on Mars, we are able to generate all the farming spaces uh, required for Martians in a thousand square foot. But here on Earth, we are using 60,000 square foot uh, per person in farming and livestock. That is because we are using technologies that are not uh, up to, to, to the latest technologies. So for example, on Mars, we are using aquaponics and hydroponics, and we are eliminating meat as the uh, opportunities for the diet. So we are including uh, uh, insects, we are including uh, engineer meat. So the changes in the lifestyle on Mars are automatically going to give us insights in the digital environment and that we will take the uh, community that is interacting with the digital environment to learn things that we can do here on on Earth in our day-to-day -day lives. I don't know if but I even in the Even in the core points. economics then, you're building in uh, payments for the externalities that are then pushed off onto other parties here on Earth. So you're actually designing, or at least in the initial contemplation with how you're setting up the digital twin systems, that you're having to, you're, you're trying to have a full cycle price in all of the life cycle elements of all products with limited resources, not unlimited resources. Totally. Okay. Because the, the truth is that the Mars has limited resources. Uh, we cannot indeed, uh, many people ask me, well, uh, can we consider Mars as a plan B? The truth is that we cannot. Based on the analysis that we have as of now, the entire planet might be able to accommodate a maximum of 3 million people. And that's already very aggressive. So Mars is just going to be... Uh, a destination for very few people. So we have to take care of Earth. Again, remember what I was telling you, we, we, we want to go to Mars to uh, learn things that we can do here different because by asking the question in a different manner, we will be getting answers that are different and therefore might lead to innovation, right? So um, the resources are extremely limited on Mars and that simulation has to incorporate that. Same with the economy, but again, the economy there is going to be mainly connected with the energy. And if you look at on Earth and, and you go down to the fundamentals, the economy is also based on, on, on energy. How much energy does it cost to generate things, right? The whole supply chain is also well, And increasingly energy. water as well, right? So yep. water is, I mean, some parts of the United States and other countries don't think too much about it and other parts think about it tremendously. And a lot of trade has to do with actually shipping water in the form of lumber and, and other and foodstuffs. So yeah. what is the assumption in terms of trade for this not completely 100% isolated environment? 
Is it that it's anticipated that it will be some kind of an extractive minerals trade, knowledge industries trade? What will be the, you've talked about a currency within the ecosystem. Who who owns this? Is this an ESOP? Is this a, you know, a REIT? Is this a government owned facility? Are you anticipating doing models on each? And so what's the economics of the, the, the sort of macro entity? Mm-hmm. So the uh, digital twin for for now is uh, under development, but we are envisioning to be in the uh, blockchain. So again, uh, anyone that will be interested in being involved uh, can participate. And indeed, we are, we are uh, already having the opportunity for uh, people that are familiar with blockchain to be part of the community, right? Uh, with the uh, owning uh, different assets, digital assets inside the, the digital twin that are going to simulate how we will have Martians owning uh, assets in, in the actual Mars. Um, regarding with trade, we have obviously the need to create a, a, a normal uh, entire chain of manufacturing on Mars. We will have to do mining. We will have to manufacture. Remember again that I was explaining that for a self-sufficient colony to actually operate, we need to do everything with local resources. So the advantage we have on Mars is that we have a lot of water. I mean, we have a lot of water considering that it's a very harsh environment. So with water and CO2, we can obtain carbon, which is critical for the elements of life and medicines, etc. Then we have iron, and then we can obtain steel, which uh, can be a critical aspect, again, for construction. So Mars offers the uh, minerals that are, and the water that are essential to create an entire uh, supply chain uh, strategy. So it has to be done locally. We cannot rely on using uh, local resources from Earth to send them from Mars, only the very basics at the very beginning. And um, there will be, obviously, trade opportunities between Mars and 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 Earth once the, the entire civilization over there is fully operational. For now, on the digital environment, we are envisioning that blockchain can allow us to create a governance opportunity and a ownership of assets that can be totally traceable and very difficult to hack. Um, and that's where we are also envisioning an economy that can uh, communicate the physical uh, world here on Earth with the digital wall of the futures. And that comes again thanks to a technology connected to a blockchain because we can generate that currency that we are envisioning in the futures and in Onteco in on Mars. And uh, once the model is fully operational, there will be uh, activity, there will be trade inside the, the ecosystem. And we will have the opportunity to convert it into fiat currency into dollars thanks to uh, the, the relationships that are already happening in the world of crypto with uh, stable coins that allow to convert a, a crypto asset into a fiat currency like dollars through uh, tools and platforms that are allowing to do it. So again, what we are envisioning here for, for Mars and for the future versus an ecosystem that is allowing us to travel through space and time. We are going to Mars to the future, but the objective is to actually live in the now and learn and experience and and take some of those uh, opportunities to be in that digital environment to apply it in the now on earth and that's where i think we are envisioning our uh, 
ecosystem very different to the metaverse, which is about gaming and entertainment, which yes, we definitely will include all of that uh, as we move forward with the futures. But the goal is to actually use it as a tool to make Earth a better place. So how is this mindset and exploration impacting your architecture business? Very much. Um, so, for example, one of the things that is affecting is on the solutions that we use for materials. Uh, it's very common in architecture to use uh, concrete because it's very cheap. But uh, once we started working with the scientists, we realized that it's highly uh, and not, not very environmentally friendly. We are working with uh, uh, the solutions that we are creating on Mars are even more focused on self-sufficiency than the work we were doing before. So, for example, now uh, when we create uh, cities and developments, we are valuing much more the infrastructure. So, for example, here it's typical on Earth that we create uh, the residential areas, and the, the, the manufacturing areas uh, or the low impact manufacturing areas close to each other. And then we take all the infrastructure, all the sewer, all the, the, the electricity out of our uh, areas where we usually interact. But the truth is that when we were thinking about this on Mars, we realized that they are almost like the, 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 the churches of Mars, right? They are the ones that give us that spiritual uh, uh, well-being because thanks to those infrastructure, thanks to the, the, the tanks that are going to be converting CO2 into oxygen, thanks to the uh, manufacturing elements that are transforming the water into drinkable water, thanks to the sewer systems that are actually recycling in a, in, in a model that is almost zero waste, um, is what is allowing us to be alive on Mars, right? So when we are designing a, a townships here now, we start to realize that things that we were given for granted because of years and years of, of creating urban planning and architecture, where the infrastructure is left on the side, suddenly it can become an important part of uh, the, the experience as well. Um, we are, uh, again, uh, thinking a lot about uh, how lifestyle can affect our, um, our um, environment and how carbon footprint has a critical role in the long term. And by analyzing uh, the, the, the economics that we were talking before on Mars, we are realizing that, uh, okay, you, you, in architecture, sometimes we have to uh, meet a lot of needs. It's not only about how you would like to get things done, but how politicians or how developers have to uh, implement their vision with the resources that they have, right? So the opportunity that we have with Mars is that we can uh, actually dream with no limitations on, okay, we, uh, we need to create something that is highly sustainable but it's going to be more expensive in the short term, but in 20 years, it's going to pay off. That's conversations that we normally have on Earth that sometimes you have to find compromises. But uh, when we are looking into a more uh, optimistic or uh, utopical scenario, uh, we are learning and we are trying to communicate that when developing projects here on Earth as well. So if somebody as an individual or an organization listens to this and says, oh my gosh, I would like to be involved. How would they become involved? What type of involvement so, do you need now? And then what type, of, what type of resources and opportunities are there for people who want to get involved in the next few years? So there are two options. One of them is connected to the digital twin on the simulation on Mars. 
uh, we are looking to expand the community. We are looking for partnerships about outreach. Again, for this community to actually be uh, useful to to uh, to the earth, we need to have a big community, right? Otherwise, uh, if it's just a few thousand people, we will not be able to simulate a lot of the opportunities that we will have in the uh, future on Mars. So growing the community and, and creating partnerships that uh, uh, provide a higher outreach on how to grow that community is something that we will always be looking forward. Uh, the other side is on the architectural front. Again, in Avivo Studio, we do a lot of uh, projects uh, from residential to uh, large settlements to uh, temporary structures. So obviously, anyone that is interested into uh, looking for innovation in a more uh, traditional physical environment, we will be happy to help as well. Could it, could whole groups come to the table? Could a group of high schools come in and have high schoolers do programs around and and, and explorations, you know, in the space? Could uh, you know groups of educators, groups of you know physical scientists come in as a group and engage with this? Totally, indeed. The the, the vision of the futures is to combine communities that. Sometimes they don't interact among themselves. So education is very important. Science, artists, um, gamers, investors, people that are very involved with the uh, latest technologies in crypto and blockchain. All of those communities sometimes operate in silos or very focused into their interest. But what we are doing here is to merge them together into a platform or into an environment that we think will allow to cross-pollinate. And that's one of the core uh, ideas and core visions that we have. I mean, from my personal experience, cross-pollination is the most important uh, tool that we have as innovators, right? So the moment that we start merging communities that have different interests, different expertise, different backgrounds, new interesting ideas start to come up. And so uh, for sure, educators, again, scientists, artists, investors, uh, people that are in the gaming or in the entertainment field, the communicators, uh, influencers in YouTube or like any other channel will, like 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 you, will uh, have a key role into uh, adding uh, their insights and their ideas about how to create a new society. Again, all of this, you are using Mars as an excuse. And yes, we definitely see that all of the uh, learning that we are putting together will actually be implemented on Mars. We are very optimistic. But the, the core here is how can we all create a new society if we have to do it right this time? We have done a lot of things right. We have done some mistakes. What about if now we start from ground up and with the knowledge that we have of centuries and centuries as a community, we try to create everything from scratch for entire society uh, that uh, not only tries to overcome some of the uh, social inequalities that we are seeing that is growing in, in, in today's world, uh, but also uh, connected to climate change and to growth and to um, uh, thriving as an individual, right? And working together, again, I was talking before Mars, will not be able to, uh, we will not survive on Mars if we don't work together. So we will need to transcend who we are as individuals in order to create a new society 
on Mars. And the question is, maybe that's not a bad place to come if we want to evolve our society on Earth. So anyone that is optimistic, optimistic about the future, that wants to bring their ideas and expertise and passion about things that could be better in our society can definitely jump into uh, providing those ideas and that insights about how to create a new society. And again, Mars is a great place to test things out. Wow, what an adventure. Yeah, I was going to say that that depending on who you are, you'd probably listen to this and go, wow, I've been trapped in COVID in my house for how long and I'm going to be doing what in Mars? Or, oh my gosh, I would love to, you know, you know, this is a much better old idea than going on a fishing boat. Maybe I can make my fortune going to Mars. So I think you're going to have a wide variety of people who think this is an interesting exploration. And then when you actually go to fund this thing or someone goes to fund the learnings from this, uh, the, the whole nother set of uh, where people can go to experience their next adventure or uh, just sort of thinking that this is something you do for six months and come back or because of gravitational issues that you'd be changed, right? So you'd come back a, a physically totally. changed person. We could probably talk for a long time on this. We've talked for a while. What have we not mentioned that you would want to say before we finish up our conversation today? So um, I could connect it maybe with what I just mentioned about cross-pollination, um, I had been very fortunate that I have been able to live in many countries. I lived uh, in Middle East. I lived in India. I lived in Japan. I lived in Europe, obviously, where I'm from. Uh, I lived here in the U.S. And that gave me great admiration for the different cultures and uh, for respecting different opinions. And... I would connect that to other fields as well. Um, we are usually very good in some things, but by bringing other experts and other fields that might uh, be very different to ours, from my experience over the years, it actually allows to bring uh, powerful insights that we would not have got otherwise. So cross-pollinating, uh, bringing diversity of uh, uh, genders, of ideas, of cultures, with respect for others' points of view, and by bringing experts in completely different fields into the same environment and ecosystem is probably from what I have found in my personal life to be extremely insightful and enriching, not only as a creator, but also as a person, right? So I would invite anyone to try to force themselves to think out of the box. Um, I, I like to say that everyone should be an immigrant at least once in a culture that is very, very different to ours, because that automatically puts you in a completely new mindset and forces you to re-question a lot of the things that you think you know. And that is very relevant to creativity, right? Um, so in that sense, um, I think that's very important. Secondly, I would like to add anyone that uh, might be very interested into bringing uh, ideas connected to creativity to try to surround yourself with good mentors. And I was very fortunate when I was very young to be in the architectural field, working with some of the best architects of the end of the 20th century. And the guy that won the equivalent of the Nobel Prize in architecture, the former head of Harvard GSD, some the, the biggest architectural firm in the US. So that allowed me to, uh, by almost osmosis, 
be close to create talent, not only as a mentor, but also in the colleagues, right? And creating that environment of uh, creativity is so important. There is this book called um, The Medici Effect, right? About why in, in the Renaissance, uh, there was so much innovation and it had to do with Florence and how uh, different fields were in the same environment. And I think Silicon Valley has been a lot about that uh, over the, the last 30 years, right? Like so many different people from different backgrounds providing ideas on different fields. So um, I would, uh, and that's what we're envisioning with, with the futures. Again, creating an ecosystem where people from completely different backgrounds that might have the opportunity to either provide mentorship or learn from others and, and, and uh, uh, experience from more experienced uh, people or, or people that are more uh, already established in their field to create a community that is about inclusion and about ideas and about debate as well. Because again, we cannot build a society without debate uh, and, and being righteous is something that uh, won't work in order to uh, create innovation. Alfredo, it's been great having your really different nexus of architecture and outer space um, though very intertwined, as you've talked about it on the show. How could people reach out to you and what do you need right now? Yeah, so basically anyone that is interested in being involved or participating can reach out at onteco.com or at uh, abibo.com, A-B-I-B-O-O.com or onteco. And then uh, reach out, let us know how we can be of service, how we can be of help. Uh, and uh, if you want to be involved, please, we would love to, because again, uh, in order to make this happen, especially uh, to visualize and to create a, a, a new society, we need a lot of minds that uh, want to participate with optimism and with passion about how we can all together make world a better place here and on Mars. But let's start with Mars so we can bring it to Earth. So Mars in the digital environment, then to Earth, then back to Mars in the near future. Excellent. And we'll have all this in the show notes. And thank you for bringing your adventure to our adventure. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. It has been a great pleasure. For listening to Creative Innovators. We are expanding our footprint. So we invite you to go to creativeinnovatorspodcast.com and find us on Substack, where we are creating a new matrix of our past shows that you can find them more easily and find them along with the career adventure guide content where you can take your own career and use some of the tools in the setup to both be inspired by past episodes of Creative Innovators, as well as become a bigger and better creative innovator yourself. We're also launching in a couple of other platforms this year. So stay tuned and join our lists and, and find out where else you can find and combine with Creative Innovators in 2024.